Welcome to another brand new episode of Scripts on Scripture. This episode, I am really excited to reintroduce <laughs> a guest from last season, Hannah. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited about this conversation. Also a little nervous about this conversation. Uh, it's, a, it's kind of one of those topics. It's personal <laughs> and it's so important to me, so I'm really excited to, yeah. to dive into it. Yeah, this this uh, t- this episode we're we're going to be talking about adoption, and it's a subject that uh, has been blowing up on social media. I have seen so many reels and just a lot of posts related to to adoption. Yeah, and I've seen a lot of uh, confusion and misappropriation of scripture. I want to make it clear this is not a response episode. We're not here to bash anybody. I know there's all kinds of stuff going around about Michael Orr, and this isn't a reaction. No. This is not a reaction. This is this is something we've lived out, and we've talked about having this conversation for a very long time. But actually, we have really different stories. We do. Um, regarding But adoption. your story inspired our story a lot. I didn't know that. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. We can go. Yeah, we can talk about that. So my husband and I approached adoption initially through fostering. And that's like another one of those red button issues. Everybody has an opinion on yeah. on fostering. But our our heart was to help families, to help children who are in a very um, traumatizing situation. And ultimately, the goal is to reunite them with their families who have hopefully healed Mm -hmm. and and gone through the trauma that they were dealing with but there's there's so much uh negative that people hear in terms of fostering and so I mean I've I've had people compare my kids to a handbag saying suggesting that I only adopted them as like a trend that I was following and you know just like dealing with the the negative perception that comes along with that and quite honestly those comments are hurtful because obviously what they suggest about my character, but they're more hurtful because I can only imagine if they're willing to say that to me, what are they saying to my kids? Yeah. Or about your kids. Yeah. And what kind of lies are my kids going to have to sift through? Right. And so part of the reason I wanted to have this conversation is because I want it to be clear. Like we didn't adopt to, to have some kind of platform. Like N- that yeah. wasn't that wasn't even we started out fostering like our our goal was to help the kids mm-hmm. it turned into adoption and I praise God for that because I can't imagine my life without my kids I know they're awesome I love them <laughs> I love them too <laughs> but but it's you know but that wasn't that wasn't the goal going in um, but now that we're in this it's like I've got to clarify what it even is sure and and kind of like put some vocabulary to it and, and start that dialogue because not only do I need to clarify it to other people who, who you know, come into our lives and, and they, need, they need a little context. They need a little explanation. Sure. But also t- for my kids, mm-hmm. you know, they, I need to be able to communicate this so that they growing up are able to communicate it. Absolutely. I mean, I remember, well, we'll get into that in a minute. 
I, I wanted, I wondered if you wouldn't share your, cause your story. Yeah, absolutely. Unique as well. We had our first, um, our first son Callan in 2020, March 25th of 2020 to be exact. So just a couple weeks into the craziness the and, um, <laughs> uh, with that craziness came a lot of trust with God already, mm-hmm. just because we didn't have the support system around us. We were planning on having and all these different things. So we were very much just like, God, <laughs> We just want to get home with our baby and just, you know, get through this. And um, through my delivery, ended up having quite a few complications that actually resulted in me having a hysterectomy right after delivery. And it's so crazy because God protected Caleb and I so much through that super traumatic experience because... He just united us. I remember they like wheeled me back into the room. And of course it was very scary because I almost lost my life. And Caleb almost became like a single dad immediately after uh, Callum was born. And we were reunited and we just both looked at each other and we were like, well, we've always kind of talked about adoption. (laughs) And we had had other people that we had seen in our lives, including you guys, who had walked through foster care. And so we kind of had a vision of what it could look like and it was something that we always admired but then again like God had given us a desire to have a full family we we knew we wanted to have more than one kid Mm -hmm. and it was weird to be holding this like precious baby boy but being like desiring yeah more More. and and honestly struggling with what that felt like of God I'm not ungrateful yeah I just know the desire that you've put in my heart and I'm eager to see like how you're going to work this out because yeah. he gives us the desires of our hearts. Absolutely. And I toiled with that a lot because I wanted it to be enough. Yeah. And uh, obviously I had a lot of alone time to process <laughs> after um, just through quarantine, all these different things. But honestly started really processing a lot once I was vulnerable and I, w- I shared what we were going through yeah. because we just felt so isolated. But And the, and the enemy wanted to use that oh, so bad. So we ended up like sharing our story with, uh, honestly, like on social media. And it just like opened the floodgates of conversation and ended up connecting with us with a bunch of people and and their stories that were either similar or maybe just had like a fraction of our story within it. And I remember we even came up here and hung out with you guys. I do remember that. I do remember that. That's when we were really starting to like gear up towards, okay, how how can we grow our family? How does God want to use us? Yeah. And what's it going to look like? And you guys shared your experience with mm-hmm. foster care. And honestly, at the time, my heart was yearning for a baby. And really, like, the reunification with their with their birth yeah. family was just something that my heart was not in. Yeah. And I knew that the God was calling us to a different direction in yeah. that season. And so we ended up pursuing a, like, domestic infant adoption through um, a Christian agency. And it was... Uh, a very growing experience. 22 months after Callum was born, our uh, second son, Tatum, was born, and we adopted him into our family, and now we have two crazy boys at home, <laughs> and amazing. Um, the experience has grown me more than anything in my entire life, and adoption is just one of those subjects that is just so... yeah woven into our life and we've since been able to walk with some other families through adoption and and different things and it's just really been such obviously a blessing but it's been very growing oh yeah and God has taught us a lot and our compassion for people in all parts of the adoption triad has like we just knowledge just like yeah was overwhelming at first but God has taught us so much about his character yeah and our part in 
in the gospel and his story and all these different yeah. things. And yeah, so I could go on and on, but like no. in the waiting process. Oh, gracious. That when we were waiting yeah. to um, foretate him to be born, even yeah. before we were matched with his incredible birth mom, obviously that's when you're just like twiddling yeah. your thumbs. But yeah. we used that time to really dive into understanding what we were getting ourselves into, Absolutely. what Tatum's life could look like and how it might be different, how it doesn't have to be different, right. what a relationship with his biological mm -hmm. family could look like and like all these different things. And of course it was all what if at that time. So yeah. I had listened to so many podcasts, read so many articles and different things. And that's when I was flooded with, <laughs> yeah. hey, not everybody likes this. <laughs> oh, exactly. And yep. Some people might not agree with what you and your family are doing. Absolutely. And that's when I really was like, okay, well, what does God say about this? Yeah. And what do we, where do we go from, yeah. from this when we are yeah. hit with some of this negative I mean, I, I, I we had stuff. family, not, not my immediate family, but we had um, extended family who they, I mean, they, they were like, it, it won't work. It, it won't work. And, and so having that, kind of a, a voice speaking into what you're, what you're walking into that is like, you, you are in love with this baby. Like <laughs> you are in love with this child. And, and when you know that this is, this is what God is saying for you to do, like, yeah, tuning out those voices is really difficult when, when you're also trying to wrap your head around, why would they even say that? And, and that was one thing that was, that was a struggle for me to come to because you don't want to air all the dirty laundry. No. And that's what I think a lot of times people expect. They want to know the they why. They want to know. Yeah. They want to know. Well, you know, if, if, if they were adopted, then certainly they weren't wanted. So why weren't they wanted? And that's not, that is not the story. Yeah. Nine times out of 10, that's not the story. And I think that, you know, you and I have talked a lot about language around adoption. Oh, absolutely. And, and one thing like in our home, because we are very open in talking about, about, you know, each one of them being adopted. I have three kids, each one of them being adopted and having those conversations on a regular basis. But which even that is strange to some people. Yes. And that was a question that we got a lot. Yes. Is he going to know? Or are you guys going to tell, tell them? them? <laughs> you know, it's like a, they're they're thinking they're watching a movie or something, yes! you know, because yes! of, but we're like, no, we're talking about our child's life Absolutely. and the way that he views himself and his identity. And yes, um, we're going to take this really seriously. Absolutely. And I think I think that so often the thing that really kind of blew me away was the comparison, because the way that people would approach me about our kids, you know, they wanted to know the past history. They wanted to know the dirt. They weren't asking about the child. They were asking about the family before. And, and they were asking about the, they, they essentially wanted me to spill the tea yeah. on my kids. And, and, and that was something that we, we did get become very guarded of in terms, in terms of, of their stories. Cause I'll it's their story. It's their story. Exactly. And like, depending on how old your kid is, mine's not even two yet. <laughs> Other people should not know more about his life than he does. Then he, hey, and of yes, course you yes. have people that are in a very like a close, maybe yes. close knit people or very close family that might know everything. But we have people in, that are very close to us that don't know everything about exactly. our journey with it or Tatum's story. And that's okay. Exactly. Well, and they haven't even had the opportunity they're not old enough to have processed through no. 
their story. No. There's no way. They, they can't. And and so we were we were really careful about choosing the language that we use in our home and, and and telling them that they're they're chosen and, and speaking that over them because they'll ask questions from time to time and, and I and I never lie to them. I never lie to them. But you also have to cater your questions toward their level of their age comprehension. Yeah. Right. You know, like they're not gonna they're not gonna fully grasp like what 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 all went down. And so, you know, obviously you and I are speaking as adoptive mothers mm-hmm. and and we can't speak from the place of having been adopted. Or placing a child nope. for adoption or through the foster care system or whatever it may be. Like exactly. Exactly. There's so many delicacies. But as offensive as some of the questions are and some of the comments are that, you know, that I've received I also want to to go in on in in my own understanding like where does that come from Mm -hmm. because some of those some of those comments are substantiated like the lady that compared them to a handbag I bristled and and honestly wanted to go a little street on her but as I processed through her remark I realized it was coming from a place of pain that she had seen people adopt as a kind of trend right. and not take it seriously and not connect, you know, the child to any understanding of their biological background, of their history. And and that is harmful. And that is something that I would never want to do to my children. And obviously she doesn't she didn't know me. She didn't know me when she made the comment. Sure. But it it was something, it was a kind of a, a point for me where I had to step back and go, I need to understand more about what this means and, and what it means for me, but also what it means for my children and how I can help them as they grow and as they ask more questions and ask some really hard mm-hmm. questions. You know, what what do I say? And yeah. and so for me, it was, it's been a learning experience. It's been a journey. It's been, you know, you don't walk into this knowing everything all no. at once. <laughs> No, and we tried, like Caleb will tell you, my husband, he will tell you, like, I was obsessive with how much I wanted to know before and like, it's just not possible. Tatum shares the same, like race as us. Mm -hmm. He he looks very similar to us, but we were prepared for anything. We were prepared, prepared, um, to have a children, a child outside of our race and a different ethnicity and all that. So we really wanted to know, like, what could that look like? What can we be doing to prepare for that? And we learned like that there's not a great history in like the foster care and adoption system. Cause right. it's right. Not that it's new, but the organized system of it is fairly new mm-hmm. and there's been a lot of manipulation of power and all yep. these different things in, in the past, but where it's at, I mean, it's gotten so much better and it's not perfect, but it's on the way yeah. of just continually getting better. And a lot of the people I would talk to, they had different experiences that were just yeah. dated yeah, or more popular, you know, maybe 40, 50 years ago. Yep. And so that's what they came into the conversation with. So yeah. it was understandable why they would assume we wouldn't want to tell Tatum yeah. that he came from a different yeah. biological family yeah. than ours. And why, why bring that even into his, you know, mind if, <laughs> yeah. if he could kind of pass for our biological kid based <laughs> on what he looks you? at, you know? Yeah. So I don't know what, where I was going with that, but it's just... Well, I love that you you are open and you're honest in telling him, in in providing him with that that piece of his, his story. Because as a child, no, he's not going to grasp it all. But there are amazing things that he can learn at this age through just watching the way that you love him and his brother 
equally. Mm -hmm. And that, that is something that I think is, is so beautiful. I remember one doctor, I was on a, a, another specialist appointment with my youngest and I was sitting there and, you know, and it's pretty obvious from looking at me and looking at her that we're not biological. And so the doctor, he asked me a little bit about adoption, about Mm -hmm. our, our story. And he just smiled and he said to me, he's like, do you have any biological kids? And I said, no. And he's like, well, if you ever wondered if there's any difference, he looked at me and he goes, I have five kids. Three of them are adopted. And he's like, there is no difference. Hmm. And he said to me, he's like, sure, you have to communicate things and you have to, you know, like the family has to kind of adapt around differences that other people don't. But he said to me, he said, that of his five kids, he's like, I have no favorites. And he's like, but I find that my, the one son that was adopted, he's like, I have a lot more in common with him. And like oh, my cool. other might look more like me, but I have more in common with my adopted son. And like there were, he was like, he was explaining the dynamics and it was, it was like any other family. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like a movie. It was, <laughs> it, it was like you would explain, you know, m- me and my two sisters. It's sure. like, will we take after this parent or that parent? Mm-hmm. Or we, you know, share more in common with it. It's scary how much is learned. That Yes. Yes. I'm like, how and do scary you. Scary is a good word. Cause yes. <laughs> how do you do that? I do that. Yes. How do you know to even do that? Even with our biological side, I'm like, I don't think I've ever made that like I, weird clicking sound I do in front of you. And I like, he does it. I didn't know. consciously even do that. And I didn't realize I did it that often, but you picked up on right. it. Right. And now you're copying it. And now I realize I do that. So <laughs> yeah, that's so. But he didn't ask if I had quote kids of my own. Yeah. That's a hard he asked if I had Sentence. biological kids as well. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's you, the difference. You like, you're like, oh, you're on the inside. You know. You know. <laughs> I immediately knew. He's, he's, you know, because you either you have enough experience or you are an adoptive parent if you say it that way. For me, I know if someone says, oh, is he adopted versus was he adopted? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's mm-hmm. honestly goes, we can go really biblical with that because oh, yeah. we were adopted. Yes into yes. the, into the uh, family of Christ and all these things. And uh, that was like one of the first things we learned oh, that yeah. a- among uh, many other things, instead of like uh, his birth mom giving him up for adoption, she placed him. She, yes. she, we made an adoption plan, like all of these. Yep. And it, it might sound like, Oh, that's, you know, so many semantics, but it becomes really important. It's really important. And honestly, it's, it's because of how much we have learned like our culture has learned over the years of how yes. damaging some of that language can be and confusion, yeah. confusing yeah. for yeah. an adoptee yes. um, as they're, you know, growing and absolutely. creating their identity Forming and understanding. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. No. And, and their understanding of, of their, the circumstances of their birth, you know, like at, at the age our kids are now, that's not a conversation that we can have in full. We can have it in part. And I think it's really important to, they need to know. They need to know, but but also have the security of of the fact that we our motives behind adopting you were straight up love. One girl, she was talking about her her background, and she said, you know, when Christians say that, it's it's really hurtful because what it sounds like you're saying is essentially that God wanted her to be placed for adoption or to be separated from her biological right. parent. And that I feel like is, is 
is a distinction that is like absolutely critical right. to make. Like, no, absolutely not. God does not cause the bad things that happen in life. He does not cause that. Yeah. It, it, for, for us, it, and, and honestly, like people don't mean this in a negative way. They actually mean it to be very like endearing and yeah. it does bring some comfort, but sometimes we'll have people say like, you know, Tatum was meant for your family or like th- this was ordained kind of. And mm-hmm. like you're saying in part, that would be saying that yeah, what his birth mom has gone through or endured was yeah. dictated by God and all of these things. And no, but no. God wanted to create beauty out of ashes on all sides. All sides. Absolutely. In our story. Absolutely. In his story, in his biological family's story. Absolutely. Like he wants restoration in all corners of that. Yep. And it would make us feel sometimes a little bit uncomfortable because it feels like it's maybe putting us at the top of this oh, pyramid. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we're like, no. You're like, what? At the end of the day, like... <laughs> Not that it was selfish, our desire to have another kid, because I do believe, like, yeah, it is very selfless to be a parent, whether yeah. or not mm-hmm. it's biological or through yeah. any other means. <laughs> and all the parents out there said amen. But, <laughs> but there was, like, yeah, there was a desire there. Yeah. And he, in a way, fulfilled some of that desire. Yeah. The same way that yeah. Tatum is yearning for a forever family. Absolutely. And his birth family has to process through what they're going through. Yeah. And it, it's a solution. Right. It's not a perfect solution, right. but it's one that we really feel like God is in all corners of yeah. and wants to move through and work yeah. through. Well, and yeah. a lot of times what I don't think is readily understood is that oftentimes the birth, the 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 choice that a, a biological mother makes to place her child and make an adoption plan is actually a truly selfless act. And oftentimes the biological mother is dealing with consequences that aren't the result of, of her own actions. They're oftentimes the result of someone else's. And, and, you know, and I've heard story after story after story. I worked for a while with a mission that helped uh, women who were trafficked. And there were all kinds of stories that emerge out of that that are, you know, you, you, your heart just broke mm-hmm. for the insane level of consequences that so many of these women are dealing with and as a result of of you know these circumstances there are children who are born into a world where that's not they're not going to be able to thrive they're not going to be able to thrive or they're in danger some of them are in mortal danger Mm -hmm. and what is the alternative what's the alternative and that's where I feel like God in his sovereignty steps in and even though you know we have free choice and we abuse it on a regular basis human beings just you know yeah that's just w- what we do and as a result all of these bad things enter the world like sin is what brings those into the world and he steps in and and there are these precious babies who need like you said forever families and that that is what I think Christians mean. Well, I can't speak for everyone. That's what any time that I've said we felt called to adopt. Yeah, that is what I meant. That is the way that I was using that term. I, I felt called to step in on behalf of someone mm-hmm. who was going through a trauma, and when it came to the point where they had no alternative, 
then yes, absolutely. And like a lot of people will say, well, were they just not resourced? And I mean, we could go into this probably for a really long time, yeah. but ultimately there are incredibly credible yes. <laughs> uh, agencies that do whatever they can yeah. to first support a mom before right. she right. even decides yes. what, what's going to happen. Yes. And shout out to my mom who works for a crisis pregnancy center and yeah. the amount of work that she does on the front end just yes. to help a mom who is faced with this scary reality that she yeah. might not be in the place where she can do this, but yeah. she desperately wants to to yeah. bring this baby into the world. And, yeah. and so there's just so many people that that is their livelihood and yeah. we get to be a part of it. And that's really cool. And like, cause we, and we had people ask us because we can technically through like surrogacy have biological children if yeah. we wanted. Yeah. But for us, there was this like heart yearning yeah. to be a part of restoring yeah. yes. and just be a part of adoption and this thing that God has created. And yes. So not that, I mean, I don't quote me. I don't think that we'll ever <laughs> go that route just because of where our heart lies with a lot of things, but everybody, everybody's decisions, stories, and convictions are different, but that was right. why ours went this direction. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I, and I think that it is something, it is something biblical. God calls us to take care of the widows and the orphans. Yep. He specifically says that. And in the Bible. And I think that a lot of times our perspective of adoption in the sense that it's not blood, that's not actually biblical. When you actually study history and you study the Old Testament and you study all of these cultures and societies that were coming out of, of you know, at that in that time, you look at the ancient Egyptians, you look at the, the ancient Greeks or Romans or any of those civilizations, and most of them believed that the king or whoever was in a place of rule, you know, whatever that their term for that was, most of these cultures believed that in some way they were descended from the gods. Mm. And so maintaining that status required bloodline. And it's why you have so many cultures that inbred. They had to maintain the bloodline. And that led to disastrous consequences. And there's some really spooky archaeological stuff that emerges from that. That you know so much about it. There's really spooky. That mentality isn't actually biblical. I mean, think about it. In the Old Testament, yeah, they talk a lot about, about blood. They talk, the, the motif is throughout the Bible. However, if it was about maintaining the purity of a bloodline, which, by the way, borders on you know, Nazi philosophy. Mm. If it was about that, why in the world would we have characters like Ruth, who's a right. Moabite? Why would we have characters like Rahab? She's a Canaanite. Why would we have characters like that in the very lineage of the Messiah? If the purity of bloodline was what God was about, that never would have happened. Mm, that's a good point. So I, I look at this and I go, what, what is God really creating? He's creating a, a, a family, but it's based around faith. It's based around unity and and wholeness and and, and, and holiness and holiness yeah. yes and i look at i look at some of the things that that paul says because he talks a lot about adoption and he's using this partly because at the time ruling caesar had actually he had no next of kin and so he he intentionally adopted and legally gave the status of sonship to um an heir that was chosen 
And he turned out to be actually a really awesome emperor. And so Paul is actually using this on purpose because in doing so, he did something very unusual in their society in terms of legally passing along the role of, mm-hmm. of reigning, you know, superior emperor. So Paul uses a lot of this language. Well, I just want to look at, at this verse because yeah. he talks about it consistently as a spirit, a spirit of adoption. And, and I think that is really key in understanding where he's where Paul's head is as he's writing this. But in verse nine or chapter nine, verse eight, he says, in other words, it is not the children of physical descent who are God's children, but it is the children of the promise who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. And think about that. Okay. Abraham's the father of the faith. Abraham and Sarah struggled for how many years? <laughs> and he tells Abraham that his children are going to be as numerous as the stars in the sky. Mm-hmm. And here's Paul, who, who, by the way, wouldn't have needed to be adopted. Like, he was a Jew. Like, he was descendant. He mm-hmm. could trace his tribal lineage. He could, you know, all of these things. And he's talking to the Gentiles about their status in God's family. And, and so when he says this, like, Paul's not saying this for, for his own benefit. Like, he's not talking so that he's like, I'm included. You know, he doesn't, he's not, you know, he doesn't need any of that. He was like the Hebrew of Hebrews. He gives his, his credentials in, in chapter 11, and it's, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But he says it's, not the children of physical descent who are God's children, but it is the children of the promise. I don't know. I, I, I stuck on that for a while. I thought about that for a while because once again, it wasn't about bloodline. Why would you include the, the Gentiles in the new covenant if it was about bloodline? Mm-hmm. You know, so. And how much does Paul talk about that? Exactly. Like- <laughs> exactly. So I don't know. I, I, I stuck on that for a while because I'm, I was trying to wrap my head around, okay, what is this? What, what is so close to God's heart in terms of adoption when he wasn't creating a superior race? He wasn't creating this, you know, the, he, didn't, he didn't have an agenda that way. It was always about faith. It was always about a family that, that united under a higher calling. And I think that is where oftentimes, you know, we look at a baby is supposed to be with its mother. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. If that were possible every time, Definitely. But there are a lot of unfair things that happen in a fallen world. Yeah. I was even honestly looking at Exodus and looking at Moses' story. And obviously it's very complex. Mm -hmm. But his mom is like, he's not safe here. Mm -hmm. I care for this kid so much. much. I'm going to put him in this incredible basket that I'm designing. Yes. And she actually gets to nurse him and mother him even while he is technically adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. Yeah, it's it's crazy because she's essentially an, a, a a wet nurse mm-hmm. for her own son, and I'm sure like a lot of challenges through that. But look what he was able to do, yeah. Yeah. like she was a part of the saving freedom of her life. entire people. Yeah, like, yes, she had this huge role. Yes, through her sacrifice, and God used yes. that time absolutely to, to protect him. Absolutely, um, and it it's beautiful I don't know just think about what our kids could do oh exactly I don't know it's just exactly and the thing is like okay I can remember 
I remember one day, and it was when we were technically still fostering my oldest daughter, and I was I was wrestling with because at that point we knew there was no good alternative for her, no biological good alternative. Every option had really been checked out, and my husband and I we knew that this was this was she was she was going to be in in our family forever. And so at that point, it had turned, our, our, our heads had turned from fostering to adoption. Mm-hmm. And I got a call one day, and it was the caseworker. And she said that she had found another option and should be cleared, the home study should be cleared this week. And, and so she would be going with them. Wow. Mm-hmm. And I was absolutely devastated, and I was so confused because I knew what God had told me. But then here's this yeah. person saying she's going to come take my daughter. And I, I didn't know what to think. Mm-hmm. I did not know what to think. I was so, I was, I was just in kind of shock. And I remember sinking to the floor after I got off the phone with her. And I was literally holding my daughter at that mm-hmm. time, just a little tiny baby. And I was praying and I said, God, this isn't good. This isn't good. We know, you know, the, the, the present danger that's still there. And I, I, and I, I don't understand. Why would you tell me this child is going to be in our family forever? And then she, like, what's going on? And God said to me, she was mine first. Mm. And I had this realization, Hannah, that he had placed her in my life. But she was his first. She had a calling. And she, all along. She, yes. Through all of the... She had a calling. She had a purpose. She had, she, she had a whole life that he had, he had shaped and sculpted and, and was preparing her for. And it wasn't mine to decide. Mm-hmm. It wasn't... I had to parent her with the mindset that she belonged to him first. Yeah. And, and so as terrifying as it was, and it didn't end up happening, the, the home study fell through and, and was determined, you know, that, that was not an option. But through that, that experience and through that prayer and just seeking God on it, I learned something that has stuck with me every day that I, that I am mother to my children, Mm. where it's, you know, I, they're not, they're not mine in that sense. They're, they're his first. I have the privilege of mothering them. I have the privilege of, of being their mother, but it comes with a responsibility. Yeah. And I don't think that's unique to adoption. No. It's just like open-handedness yes. as parents, but I do think that there's something specific about motherhood and the connection yeah. that we have with our kids. But it's this, this open-handedness, and yeah. we were chatting before – we started recording <laughs> the podcast before the podcast, um, but just talking That's about the life of Mary and what uh-huh. that must have felt like and uh-huh. looked like and trying to kind of put myself in her perspective because yeah. I'm, you know, young, I'm in my late twenties. I'm always curious, like, God, what else, like, do you have something else for me right now? Yeah. Like, should I, I'm mostly a stay at home mom. I do some stuff on the side, but like, what, what's it going to look like for me? And yeah. I just feel like I look at the life of Mary and like, her life was Jesus and Absolutely. preparing him for the ministry that God wanted to do through him and all of these things. And I'm sure she had hobbies and different things on the side, but like her dedication yeah. was to him mm-hmm. and obviously her, the rest of her family. And, um, I 
for years have always been fascinated by Hannah in the Bible because yes. that's my namesake. That's name. And you know when you're little and you're like, am I in here? Let's find out. Like, I'm not, you know. by the way. Well, and I Heather never. Is not. <laughs> that's funny. Well, I never. I never imagined that I would resonate with her as much as I do mm-hmm. being someone who cannot yep. carry children anymore. Yep. Like I have this just new appreciation for her life and what she went through, through her infertility yep. and her, um, prayer and her like, honestly, desperation asking God for a son. Yeah. And her prayer is so specific. She's like, God, if you do this, I will give him back to you. Yep. I will sacrifice he yep. will be yours. And she like really meant that. Yeah. You know, cause I feel like I, I, I feel the same way with my kids. I want to say yep. like, Lord, they're yours. Yeah. But she really meant it. He moved she, after she finished nursing him and all these things. Yep. He moved into the temple and she saw him once a year. Yeah. I think it says she made yeah. him a new coat every year and she brought it brought and it like they prayed and I, that, yeah. that was their relationship. And I asked myself, cause mm-hmm. there was nights where I was begging God, like, God, yeah. we just, we want a child yeah. like will you bring us a child and I don't know if I was brave enough to pray that of God if you give this child to me I'll give him back to I'll you. give him back to you like that yeah in that way yeah and I feel like her life is just really a it's a huge testimony and oh, it's it really is. challenging as a parent can I live that open-handed with my kids yeah Oh, it is. And why, uh, why would I not trust that the Lord has, you know, <laughs> a better plan than the I better, do. <laughs> a better plan for them. But you know, there is that like, there is protection there is. and over them, but like the Lord yeah. is the best place that they could be is, is in his arms and in his presence. And I don't know, I'm really challenged oh, me too. by those women and plenty others in the Bible, but just really challenging, like what my role is as a mom. Yeah. They're not just yeah. like, you know, a lineage for me that's going to go on yeah. and take my husband's last name and do it. Exactly. Exactly. I'm not creating a bloodline here, uh, obviously. But I I also, like you said, there are so many others as well. Like Elizabeth, I think about her Mm -hmm. praying for so long for a son. And then, you know, she has John the Baptist, but let's face it. He didn't hang around home much. And, but it's, but clearly she equipped him for the ministry that he would live out. He's the one that baptizes Jesus. Yeah. Like that and prepared the way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and obviously was bold enough in his faith to, 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 I mean, he was considered a crazy person. People (laughs) thought he was bizarre, you know? And, 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 but it's like, but, but you have to know that in looking at that, that this man understands his calling. This man understands it because he's not listening to everyone else. Mm -hmm. He's clearly not listening to everyone else. And I don't know if I would be mature enough in his day to be like, yeah, he's not outside of his mind. But right, I know. But <laughs> we've all met people but, that were like, but yeah. thankfully we have the whole book. And yes, so yeah, that's true. We get to see the end, we and we're like, oh, I want to be on his side. Like, oh, oh, I get it now. Yeah, I get it now. But no, that's I, good. I, I just you know, but there are so many other mothers in scripture who demonstrate what it means to be a mother through sacrifice. And that's, I think that's something that it's uncomfortable to talk about. You don't, you don't want to parent open-handed. You want to make all the best calls and the safest calls Mm -hmm. and make sure your kids, you know, are in this, you know, they never get picked on and they, you know, Oh my goodness. (laughs) I can't even tell you. It's so funny because our kids play on Sunday nights sometimes at church. And uh, my oldest, he's not like the 
he's kind of the young one in the group. Yeah. And they're all really fast. And he's like just a little bit behind them running after them. And I, my heart is like, oh, catch up. Catch, like, up. catch up. Catch up. And I heard one of the little girls going, you know, Callan, hurry up. And turning around and waiting for him. And I was like, oh. You know, because you're just like, you're, you want them to belong. You want, you want them, them to fit in. You want them to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, no. Mine are all three now in school. They're so fast. And they are. They're they, they're faster than I am. It's. I mean, I was never built for for running. Anyways, um, they lap me by now. They're all three in school, and and it, I in school, I I was the kid who was bullied, and mm-hmm. so for me, like I desperately want to protect them from that. Yeah. And you know, and and you look at our family, and it's like obviously they're going to be things that kids pick up on. Sure. <laughs> I'll never forget one day dropping off my daughter. And one of her friends from, like, across the room, she goes, your mama's white. <laughs> and my daughter didn't even bat Right. Eye. She's like, yeah. She goes, yeah. And, <laughs> you know, it's just, like, so matter of fact. But, like, we talked about it later. Like, you know, had a whole conversation around it. And my youngest, you know, being a youngest child, mm-hmm. has no filter. And she's like, yeah, mom, you're kind of Light. <laughs> light. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I started laughing. And but I was you like, just make it part of your conversation. And yeah. it's just part of your, Yeah, we you know? talk about it. We talk about it because, like, obviously other people are going to talk about it. I don't want them to feel like that's something they can't express to me. And, and you know, and there are times where it's, it's caused frustration or it's caused hurt. And we talk about that, too. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, they need to know that when they are home... This is a safe space. If you're hurt by something somebody said to you, if you are frustrated by something somebody did, you can talk about it here and and not face any judgment. Nobody's going to come at you for the way that you felt right. about that or, you know, what that how that made you feel. You're not wrong in that. We are a different a different makeup than most families. Yeah, but that's something that's important for all families to be able to have. But I do think that it is a gift that we're kind of maybe forced Forced, into some of that uncomfortableness earlier than maybe some other families. I think so too. We're a little bit more maybe aware of it. Mm -hmm. Like I'm waiting, Yeah, you know, for our son who was adopted to – to ask things because of how much research and stuff we did. I'm like, <laughs> like I have it. I'm re- you know, I'm ready. Wanna, you know, use some of the knowledge that we've learned, yeah. but now it's just, you know, reminding him how loved he is yeah. by us and yeah. like his biological family and talking about it. And it's yeah. crazy because like we talked about, um, like, you know, what you have in common with your like biological versus adopted oh, children yeah. and stuff. But it's crazy because when I met his birth mom, the first thing, one of the first things we bonded over was that we both, Really like the moon. And it was so cool because I was like, wait, really? And she even told me, never mind, I'm not going to get into the specifics, but she said that. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. Like, so do I. Yeah. And he even has like a little moon. He had it in his nursery and all these things. And just as a reminder, and we don't stay out, like they go to bed at seven. I don't know if that's like other families, but we're like seven o'clock. So he doesn't get to see the night sky very often. Right. But once a week we're at church kind of late and he, it's dark out and he can barely say like you know, a ton of words, but he looks up in the night sky and he looks for the moon and he is like, moo, moo. (laughs) And if it's a night that it's not out, he's like, moo, moo. And he's really looking for it. And when it started, me and my husband were like, is he looking for the moon? Like, it's just this beautiful thing that God has like put in him. 
that kind of, I don't know where I'm going with that, but it's just like beauty. It and, is. And, and he just has a fascination with it. And it's this thing that just connects him to his full story. And I just yeah. can't wait until he's older and I can tell him uh, oh, like all of these beautiful. things. And um, he can explore or not explore depending on, you know, what he wants to do. But yeah. our job, I, the way I look at our, like Caleb and I's role as his parents yeah. is one, point him to Jesus. Yes. And two, keep as many doors open as we can so that when he has an opportunity, he can choose to walk through them or not. Yeah. When it comes to, you know, his biological story and all those things. So, yeah. Yeah. And no, I, that is so beautiful. And I love that. I love that because one thing that we said from the beginning was that we would never be disparaging of their biological background. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. There would never be disrespect that way. And that when it came time, you know, we, we talked, my husband and I talked a lot about the history and, and kind of how to approach it, you know, at this, at this stage, again, you know, they're still pretty young. There's not a whole lot of the full story that they can Mm -hmm. comprehend, but they ask a lot of times about when, when we picked him up from the hospital, mm-hmm. when we, you know, when uh, adoption day, you know, they, they ask about that and they, you know, and what we did to celebrate, they love yeah. talking oh, about sweet. that. And, yeah. you know, and it's just the story, they don't have it in full yet, but I want to, I want to make sure that they always are able to have a conversation about it and never feel like it's in any way hurtful to us to talk about it because at the end of the day again the way that that they are approached by others who don't understand adoption the way that they're approached is very much from a a perspective of being not a fresh start Mm -hmm. of having baggage Mm -hmm. you know and and that's something that I mean it breaks my heart as a mother yeah it breaks my heart as a mother that anyone would you know see it that way But, um, but at the end of the day, it's like, I have to be aware of that and I have to be able to guard their hearts. And, and the only way that I know to do that is to ensure that, that the way that we talk about it in our home and the way that we communicate our hearts is very clear. Yeah. And I remember remember having a conversation, uh, it was actually, uh, Aisha, she's on the first two episodes of this season and this is many many years ago but I was struggling with not feeling equipped mm-hmm. not feeling equipped to have some of the conversations especially in a in a, a transracial family mm-hmm. dynamic you know not feeling like like ha- I don't I, I don't know how yeah to have you know some of and like just kind of doubting myself yeah and she she just says to me she goes Heather stop stop and she, she said to me, she's like, you are their mother. You are their mother. God has put you in their lives. You are their mother. And, and she said to me, and I'll never forget this. She said, you are going to speak truth over their lives. Mm-hmm. And more importantly, you're going to speak his truth right. over their lives. And she said to me, she goes, the reality that you create in your home will shape the way they view the world that they go out into. And it just kind of, it took me back. Like I, I was in tears already on the phone, but then I just, I, she just kind of reset 
the way that I was looking at it because I was getting it all warped, right? you know, by things that I would hear on the news or things mm-hmm. that people would say, or, you know, I was getting it all mixed up mm-hmm. and, and, and trying to feel like starting to feel like I just, you know, I didn't have, I didn't have enough resources. Yeah. And she was like, no, 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 no. Because society has it all mixed up. God's word has it straight. So if we, if we prepare our children and we, and we, the reality that we create in our homes through his word helps them to navigate the lies and the confusion that they face in the world. Mm -hmm. And that's the difference. If we're taking all our cues from society, then yeah, we're going to have it all mixed up. We're going to be confused, um, hurt, frustrated, lonely, all of those things. Yeah. But if we set it straight in our homes and we prepare our children with that in this space, then when they go out into the world, they're able to to combat those lies with the truth. Yeah. And that's everything. Oh, yeah. I mean, being someone who was raised by just my biological parents, mm-hmm. I still like grew up and struggled with identity. Mm-hmm. And not that my parents mm-hmm. didn't do a great job at no. the way they raised me, but I still struggle with that. Yeah. And so I think about that so much with our boys, like mm-hmm. if I can get them to understand mm-hmm. more than their relationship with me exactly. and my husband, that they are a son of the yes. most high, Yes, that they are loved and chosen and that he has a plan and a purpose for their life. If they leave my house knowing that more than they know yes. anything about Caleb yes. and I, and like, yes, what, what nationality we are, which to be honest, it's, <laughs> I have no idea. There's a lot know. of random things in there. And it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter it doesn't. as much as all these other things. Do. Exactly. Exactly. No. And, and, and I mean, you, you know, you talked about Hannah and Samuel and like Samuel, I doubt with once, you know, an annual visit from his mother knew all that much about her. Right. But yet. And he couldn't call her. That's sad to me. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. I know. Like, like, I only live like 40 minutes from my mom, but I talk to her all the time. Have like a messenger. To li- I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I was, I was looking into this and one things that, one of the things that you and I um, talked about on our pre-podcast um, <laughs> <laughs> was not making your kids the entire gospel. Yeah. And I think that is something that is so important to point out. Cause like I said, in the beginning of this, I, I didn't adopt my kids to have some kind of platform right like we this, like them. savior complex no that yeah oh. honestly sometimes people put on they do adoption they do and I don't know why it, I don't know if it is unique or if it feels unique sometimes to other callings that people have yeah but people who are committed yeah. to know you know helping people who are addicted yep. to drugs and substances and stuff like yeah. that is a high calling as well all Absolutely. of these things are a high calling all of them and it's all weird that we've kind of yeah there's done that yeah yeah and it, and it it makes me very uncomfortable. Uh, in my mind, adoption uh, equals obedience. Yeah, that's really good. It doesn't equal salvation. Like, let's just get that yeah straight. And yeah, Paul talks about us being um, predestined for adoption. But again, he's talking about a spirit of adoption. He's talking about a family of faith. He's talking about a God who saw to it that no matter how broken your background, you had a family. Yeah. And, and how much should we say that in church? Like, this is yes. a family. Yes. This is something new. This might be something very different than what you've yes. grown up with. Yes. Literally, no matter what background you yes. have. And God has created 
yes. the body like so specifically because it fills gaps. Absolutely. That we all have. Absolutely. You might not have a, a, bio, a, a biological father present in your life. You might not have mm-hmm. biological siblings in your life, but you can have a family through what God has created. Yeah. And that's it's really beautiful. That's the idea, but it's 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 you know, it it plays out in real time, but Paul's using it metaphorically. He's not saying that adoption is salvation. Right. You know, that's that's absurd. Um, and and making your kids the entire gospel is really dangerous. Yeah. Or and, and this might be like another whole can of worms, but like <laughs> with our son who he adopted if God didn't bring him into our family yeah. and we ended up having an only child for a whole life, like yeah. that would have been okay. And like, he's not an answer. He cannot be, no. he cannot be my exactly. salvation even. Exactly. And there were a lot of times where I really had to check my spirit of God. And even if you don't, yes, I'm still your daughter and you still provide. Yes. And like not letting him yeah. almost be the, Honestly, the just the answer to yeah my heart's longing yeah like I I need to desire the Lord and my relationship with Him mm-hmm. even more mm-hmm. than having another kid and that was challenging because there were some really like dark moments where yeah. that was my heart I yeah. I just so desperately wanted another baby and I just feel like God drew me closer to Him yeah. in that yeah yeah and helped yeah. me like work it out and kind of get things in the right order. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, and we talked about this last season. I remember you saying something because it's always stuck with me where you said, like, I had to recognize that I'm a daughter first. Yeah. And I think that was where, you know, God put that check in my spirit when it came to my daughter where she was mine first. Like she belongs to me first. She is my daughter. And and that the, the idea that he's allowing me to be her mother. But he's she is his she yeah. is god's daughter first yeah. before she's mine and and so that that open hand is is this this sense of of recognizing that he's in charge of of her future mm-hmm. i'm not yeah i'm not and 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 more than that the idea that like i i remind myself now like she is his first it's, it's like all the more of a privilege to yeah. get to parent her because, because I mean, and hopefully freeing for you. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's, and you know, and I mean, cause goodness knows motherhood is not easy. No. Like, <laughs> and as people, like we all endorse so much. Yeah. And we, Caleb and I have talked about this a lot because when, when we were preparing to adopt, there was a lot about just like emphasis on, yeah like his life might look different and like you need to acknowledge the differences and you need to talk about them a lot and all these things, which is great. Right. But we all have trauma. Oh, absolutely. That you could come from the best family or the worst family. Yes. God is going to have to help him work thing, like work through things. Exactly. No matter what we do right or wrong. Yes. And that is kind of freeing as a parent because at the end of the day, if God has brought me to where I am, he can bring both of my kids or future kids. We'll see. I don't know. Um, (laughs) Like he's going to do a work in their life because hopefully they'll, they'll follow him wholeheartedly. Absolutely. And if we parent with the mentality that, um, that we are, we are under his authority, Mm -hmm. they see that. 
they see that. And then he becomes the one that they look to first. Yeah. Because I think that a lot of times we want to have all the answers. We want to have all the right things to say. And we're not going to. Mm -mm. You can't. We won't react the right way every time. (laughs) Goodness knows. I've been learning to like process through it in front of my kids so they can see a resolution. It's also forcing me to resolve things like in a moment. There are going to be times where, you know, I'm a little too short, you know, and, and my, my fuse runs out and, you know, and there are going to be things that, that I do wrong and that I drop the ball on and, and I'm human. Yeah. But if they see me seeking him first and, and, and looking to him for direction, Mm -hmm. then it's like, they're always going to be found in him, no matter what the questions, because like you said, we have questions of our own identity, things that we, we have to seek out on our own, no matter what kind of background we come from. And so, so yeah, so it's, it's at the end of the day, yeah, there are massive differences, but we're all still just people Mm -hmm. trying to find the, the purpose that God has put in our lives. Mm-hmm. So Hannah, this was, this was a big conversation. Oh, so we're done. We could talk I, about this for like seven hours. No, no just literally, <laughs> literally. I feel like we could. Um, and especially with as many, um, side podcasts as we've already had. Oh, on I, know. Subject. <laughs> I know we just, we, we love this subject. We also, you know, like we said, it is a delicate one and everyone's experiences are so different. So different. So I'm personally only talking from my own exactly story exactly. and yes. um, what I've gleaned from other people and stuff like that. But. Exactly. Exactly. No, I think that's, that's so important to point out. Yeah. Cause I mean, I've never experienced the other side of it. I can only speak as an adoptive mother, but, but it is a subject that is near and dear to my heart. Yeah. And I was really, I really appreciated you being willing to have this conversation. Absolutely. You're on social media. Yeah. Like, where can people find you? Um, I'm, I guess mostly just on like Instagram. Instagram. I don't know if that makes me millennial. <laughs> I'm not really sure. I like ride that Girl, fence, but I, I'm a millennial fail. So yeah. But I, this <laughs> subject, like I've had a lot of people like reach out kind of on eggshells of like whether or not they can ask me questions. I love talking about adoption. I love talking about what we learned from the experience and the specifics of like how we went about it. Yeah. So if you ever want to reach out and chat, if you're ever in doubt, please do. I think what's my handle? I don't even know. Uh, Hannah dot Panza. It'll be on on this. Okay, cool. Yeah. But seriously, like (laughs) I've had, so I've had a lot of people, it's really crazy connections that I've been able to have conversations with people. That is amazing. And I, I just pray that God continues to keep this conversation within my heart, like alive and being able to talk with people and just process and I just, I love that because you bring a lot of clarity to the subject and, and the way that it, it parallels faith, but it isn't the whole thing. And, and that I think is, is a beautiful acknowledgement on behalf of our kids and and I appreciate that so much but thanks again so much for being on this show thanks for having me thanks for joining us and um, we will see you on the next episode of Scripts on Scripture I'm your host Heather Preston see you later (laughs) 